0: a guest here. It's great to have you with us. Thank you so much for joining us. Please come back next week and the week after and the week after. Uh, We'd love to have you here. Uh, We'd love you to join us uh, as we worship Jesus Christ. Uh, You've heard quite a lot about him. Uh, He's the center of our lives. He's the one who's brought us together. He's the reason that we come together uh, and the reason is to worship him. Um, And also um, thank you so much to all of you guys for your generosity. Um, Now, I'm on the staff team of Jubilee. Thanks for your generosity. Um, It's just great to be part of a generous church. It's just great to see um, what God is doing and I look forward to uh, the future to see what God is uh, going to do Uh, and I'm just honored to be part of it. So, thank you so much uh, for being um, a generous community. An update on the devoted, Um, you heard uh, Raj unpacked it very helpfully uh, last week, um, about the the church being a community for all. Uh, Over the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at, again, the church being a community. I love this this word because it's in the Bible and it really represents who we are. Um, Church is a community. Um, We're going to be unpacking the Bible for the next three weeks about what God has spoken to us about our community who we are and who God has called us to be Um, and as you know we're going to be restructuring the whole um, community group uh, structure uh, the devoted so we've got three uh, devoted groups as Simon said and it really helps us as elders um, to really be part of that to be connected to the devoted groups uh, to to really have some uh, some sort of oversight in them and be part of them so Raj, Simon and myself um, will be yeah, overseeing each group. Uh, come and join the group that I'm leading because it'll be the best. <laughs> <That I want. laughs> well, Val clearly doesn't know me because she said amen. Um, so, why do we call it devoted? Because uh, that's what happens when you fall in love with Jesus. You become devoted to him. Uh, it was one of the names that Raj suggested. Again, just like the other, other terminologies that he comes up with. If you know him again, you know that I'm lying. But. Uh, <laughs> It's because uh, it's in the Bible. uh, Because it's what happens when you come to Christ, when you receive the presence of God. You can't do anything other than giving him all your life. You can't do anything other than being devoted to him. Um, So, how is it going to work? From February, um, we're going to be meeting once a month in bigger groups, um, in different places. um, And then for the rest of the month... um, We're going to have smaller gatherings, uh, again, in different places as part of of the devoted. Um, It might be three or more times. In the case of Middlesbrough Community Group, I know it's going to be six times in a month, as well as the devoted group. Um, Then the gatherings will really help us in terms of friendship, because um, it it will really help us with getting uh, the existing community groups together and mixing them up. Because sometimes we can't feel really comfortable within our own group, which is fine, but then that won't allow us to really mingle with others, to get to know them, and we can just be comfortable with that. But this way, it really helps us with getting to know one another. I mean, even in the past we were having community groups, uh, we were going round to other community groups, and that really helped us uh, in terms of getting to know one another, in creating bridges and friendships uh, with others who are not part of our community group. Um, So they going to be uh, there's going to be opportunity for all of us to step out in faith, to step out in the gifts of the Spirit Uh, you've probably gathered that we do believe that the Spirit of God works today Um, it's a great place for you to step out in faith in your giftings, it's not too big um, or too small not to allow that, it's going to be a better opportunity for growth Uh, it's going to be a great opportunity for more leadership to emerge from them Um, and it's a good place to invite your friends. Um, so please do so. Invite your friends along. Um, get behind this. Uh, this is what God we feel God, God's called us to do for the next season. I know some of you don't like uh, changes. Uh, the best answer to that is tough. But, <laughs> but we're not saying that. Um, some of you don't like change. Uh, and I know it's hard because sometimes... As soon as you feel, oh, I'm getting used to it and I'm just about to like it, it's fine. I'm, f- I'm settled and I'm comfortable. And then something else comes about. Um, well, you know what? There's more changes coming our way. Because so, that's how God works. Um, if, you've, if you were thinking, well, I was just about to settle down and I was just about feeling comfortable with what we had, um, then I want to encourage you to get behind this. And I can promise that... Just as you feel things are going well and things are great and that you settle down, things will change. Um, So I'm not uh, giving you false promises, but get behind it. This is what God has called us as a community. And to help you with that, uh, I want to encourage you to look at it from God's perspective. Because not everything is about you or me. Don't look at it individually. Don't look at it about me and what can I get out of it. Um, you've probably heard me saying that quite a lot of times that um, well the culture particularly in this part of the world is generally about me and individualistic but look at it from God's perspective because God looks at everything he has the bigger picture so look at the greater picture look at what God is going to do through you in your neighborhood it's not about you alone it's about you about your neighbors it's about your family it's about Teesside it's about this nation and the nations so Hopefully that'll help you in trying to get over the change. And I, uh, I want to encourage you, if you're not from this nation, um, quite a lot of us are not from this nation, including myself, uh, don't let your nationality or the way you do things come in between you and the church. This is the family of God. When I first came to this country, I felt like a sojourner in a foreign land. Since I joined Jubilee, I've never felt that because how can you feel that you're a stranger when you're with your family? How can you feel that you don't belong to a place when you're with your family? Of course, it's not always been easy. Um, I've felt challenged at times, um, particularly right at the beginning because they were doing things differently. Well, of course, that's how it is. But the differences are not a barrier. So, especially if you're from another nation, I want to encourage you to get behind this, to put your differences to one side, and come and be part of us. If you don't feel part of us already, if you don't feel that you belong to this this family, I want to challenge you to make that decision today, to be part of us. I say us because I am part of this family. And look, I am different in many ways, in many, many ways. Don't let your differences, your nationality, your language, or whatever uh, your culture dictates to you, stop you from becoming part of the God-given family. This is where God has called you, and I truly believe that, because God just doesn't move people about for no reason. He's brought you here for a reason. He's brought you here to be stuck into this family. He's brought you here so that you can serve alongside this family and be served. So get along with us, get behind the work, come and be part of us in every single area of our community life. Because life doesn't just happen on a Sunday. If church was only on a Sunday, then it'd be no good. Church happens as we live together. So, but if you feel challenged, please do come and speak to me afterwards. Because around 11, 12 years ago, I was the same as you. I was in a similar position. I was thinking, well, they're not doing things right. They're not doing it our way. Well, it's not, I mean, particularly against the Bible. Most of the things are actually in line with the Bible, but I think they should be doing it differently. Um, And then God challenged me. Uh, God spoke to me about uh, multicultural church. God spoke to me about what heaven is like. So if you don't like this, then don't hope to live with Jesus in eternity because this is what you'll be seeing uh, day in, day out there. This is what we'll be having. This is my hope. Uh, We'll be praising God, different languages, different nations, in eternity. So if you don't like it already, I mean, how can you believe in Jesus? What's the point of following Him? What's the point of walking with Him? So come and be part of us. Right, sorry, that was a very long introduction. So today, we're going to be looking at, um, again, community, but another aspect of a community, a spirit-filled community. If uh, you're new at Jubilee, uh, if it's your first time, you probably realize that we were talking about the spirit, we were talking about the gift of the spirit, we were talking about the gift of tongues. Um, The spirit of God plays a very important part in our lives. And it's not just that we feel the presence of God, or we experience, or it's just great, or it's a great feeling, it's a warm feeling in your heart. The presence of God, the Holy Spirit, is a person. I hate it when people refer to him as it. You don't refer to your child as it, so um, you can't refer to God as it. It's him. It's the presence of God. Today, to help us, really look at what a spirit-filled church is and whether we have an example of it uh, the Bible or whether it's something man-made, we're going to be looking at the Bible, the Word of God. Um, and guess where we'll be looking at? The book of Acts. We're going to be reading from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 32 to 42. It's going to be a bit long, but I've deliberately started from uh, verse 32 because then that gives us a bit of background. I'm going to read it, but just before we start, this is Peter preaching to a crowd. So that's where it starts. This is what Peter is saying. The book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 32 to 42. If you haven't got a Bible, it will all be projected on the screen. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this, that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand, until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. Amen. Isn't this great? I'm so grateful to God for the Bible. Because... This is what we read in the Bible. This is a real-life event. It's not a Christian utopia. It's not an ideal Christian fantasy. This is what actually took place. And this is what we're hoping to have and experience. Let me just give you a bit of background with, the, uh, with this scripture. Um, disciples were with Jesus, so Jesus chose uh, a few great people who were brilliant Highly educated, they were great at what they would do. No, he chose a few ordinary men, in fact some less than ordinary people, some people that you and I would never choose really, um, some people that, some of them were even enemies. So Jesus chose them, he told them to follow him and they did. And you know how they followed him? It wasn't just on Facebook or Twitter, they followed Jesus everywhere he went. It was how it was, in those days. And that's what it means to, to be following Jesus, walking with him day in day out. They never left Jesus alone. I mean sometimes I wonder whether Jesus felt, uh, oh, I regret this, I shouldn't have called them, but he's God, he knew it. So the disciples were with him. Jesus was eating, they were there, they were eating together. Jesus went to visit somebody, they were there. Jesus healed the sick, they were there. Jesus was teaching the crowd, they were there. That's what it means to be following Jesus. Are you following Jesus this way? Are you walking with him? Are you going after his presence wherever you go? Or as and when it suits you? Once a good friend of mine said that part-time Christianity doesn't make sense. You can't really put him to one side and say, I don't want you for this part of my life, but I want you for the rest. we have got to look at the disciples. With all their weakness and mistakes, they did one great thing. They never left their master alone. They were with him day in, day out, for three years. So, these are the guys following Jesus. So, and they came to realize that this is the Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us, amongst us. So, they were expecting great things. Some of them were zealots. Yay, finally, the Romans, we can get them. Uh, So, Jesus teaches them for three years. They're all together. And one day, I mean, they had Jesus saying strange stuff that they couldn't work out because, I mean, sometimes he does say things that we don't understand. But one night, in the evening, Jesus is talking to them and it seems that he's talking gibberish because he's talking about death. He's talking about himself dying. And of course the disciples, knowing that Jesus is the Messiah, they were thinking, has he taken his medications? Because he's not talking right. Or it might be that he's got temperature because he's talking about Messiah dying. Messiah doesn't die. He comes to get the job done. He comes to declare Israel as the superior nation. He comes to make us proud. He comes to bring the rules and justice of God on earth. He's not going to die. So he must not be well. Let's just not take any notice of him. It's probably again one of those things that he says now and again. So Jesus was talking to them about his death. Then the day comes and they realised that Jesus was actually telling the truth, as normal. Then, he's come, taken away, they beat him, they spat on him, they crucified him. The first time I was reading the Bible, um, in fact, just a few hours afterwards I came to Christ, but when I came to this bit, that they actually beat Jesus. I started to like the guy, because he was doing great things, his teachings were amazing, but he got beaten. How can you beat God? Then they were making fun of him. The Roman soldiers, they took his clothes off. I thought, oh, just about as it was getting really good, Jesus, you blew it up. And I think the disciples were, again, in a similar position. They were thinking, Jesus, we gave up everything for you. I left my dad and the boat and everything, so he had to go fishing on his own. I left my family for three years. I was following you because I believed in you. And now you're telling us that you're dying. Now you're leaving us. The other said, I was actually having a good job. I think it was Matthew who said that, maybe. (laughs) I was collecting taxes. I was having a good life. I had a good house. I was about to get married. Maybe he was married. And then you came and told me to follow you. So I gave up everything. Everything I'd really worked hard for. And now you're telling me that you're about to leave. And I was... The same when I read the Bible. I said, Jesus, oh come on. I think I started from the Gospel of Matthew. I was reading, I said, amazing, great, this is the sort of guy I want to follow and then when it came to the day that they took him, kicked him and beat him and crucified him, I thought, oh God. Just like everything else in the world, great promises at the beginning and really nothing at the end. But I kept on reading and the disciples kept on being together Of course they were scared, but they said, oh well, he was a good guy, a good master. Um, Yeah, of course he left us, but hey, we've got to keep his memory alive. Uh, But we we shouldn't tell anyone, but keep his memory alive amongst us. So let's get together. Uh, Let's not talk about him, because otherwise we'll be in trouble. But let's go and give him a good burial, and we'll have to keep his memory alive. This is a good guy, this is a teacher. He spent three years of his life teaching us, and he said some great stuff. So they go to the tomb where Jesus was buried, and of course, Jesus wasn't there. As usual, he's up to strange stuff. He had risen. This is the point that really got me back again into the Gospel. I said, again, he's not the same. He's that sort of guy I want to follow, because the rest of them died and that was it, that's the end of it. This guy died, but he rose up again. And the disciples said, he's not there, he rose up, and they actually remembered what he'd said and what he told them, that he's not going to stay there. So you can imagine the joy. If you're following dead people, if you're worshipping dead people, if you're worshipping things that don't have life, come and worship Jesus Christ, because he is the first person in the whole history who actually died and rose again and has never died since. (laughs) Come and worship this guy who's alive. Those who are dead, they couldn't help themselves. How can they help you? (laughs) This is what I said to myself. So, the disciples at this point are happy again. Oh, he's back again. He's back on the scene. Our Messiah, he's back. And then they get together. Jesus goes and uh, appeals to them in different ways and at different places and talks to them and they're all happy again and it's all great, amazing. This guy's back. Messiah. He's the same Messiah as we thought. Forget about the three days that he wasn't amongst us, but maybe he had some other business. He could have done it differently. He could have just taken out his sword and kicked the Romans out and declared us. But hey, he chooses the hard way normally. So now he's back. Let's make the most of it. Right, Jesus, when's the time coming when you restore the kingdom? Well, that question tells Jesus. They're still thinking differently because they're asking Jesus, look, like, well, when are you going to do it? As if it's not been done already. When are you going to do it? And Jesus tells them, look, it's not for you to know, but I've got something else to tell you. And the role is, tell us, right, I'm sure he's going to tell me to go and get an army and attack this place, and he's going to tell you to go and do something else. But Jesus says, actually, I'm leaving. I can imagine Peter saying, you what, mate? You're leaving. Or I can imagine if probably it wasn't his side, they'll probably go to Jesus and say, you're joking, aren't you <laughs> <laughs> You're not leaving again. We're not letting you leave. You're not going anywhere. You just left us for three days. I we were scared to death. And just as we were happy to see you and have you, you're talking about leaving us. But then again, Jesus was talking gibberish because he was saying, I'm going to leave you, but I'm not going to leave you. So how is that possible? So they were thinking, oh God, check his temperature. But Jesus was telling the truth, as always. Jesus told them, I'm going to leave you, but I'm not going to leave you alone you're not going to be on your own so the disciples were trying to work out how it's going to work and of course they were not as smart and clever as we are today Uh, they didn't know the whole story of how it's going to work so they had no choice Jesus goes and then they're together again keeping his memory alive keeping the memory of this great master who died gave them a heart attack but then Rose again, at least he's alive, at least we know that he's not dead and yeah. So he's alive and they're keeping his memory alive, they're together, they remembered that he told them not to move from this particular place because something great is about to happen and of course, three years is long enough for you to know that person is telling the truth because whatever he said actually came true. So they're together and they're expecting something to happen not knowing what's going to happen then the presence of God, the Holy Spirit comes on them and the same crowd who ran away when Jesus died, the same crowd who were scared of the people around them because they were friends with Jesus for three years come out in the streets and they start declaring the, the words of Jesus. And this bit that we read is Peter's preach. So the same guy who cursed Jesus and said, I don't know him, three times, oh, come on, no, I don't know him. Leave me alone. The same guy is coming out and say, this is the Messiah. This is the one promised by God. This is the one that you killed, but God rose again. And this is the one that you should worship. Because he is the one restoring the kingdom. It's him. Jesus Christ. So that's the background to it, really. We can see an element here. Something here changed the disciples. Something here came and changed the whole dimension of the story. It was actually someone, not something. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came and the same disciples who were so scared that you wouldn't be able, I mean, you wouldn't be able to trust them with anything, they come out and declare the words of Jesus. The same army who were so scared that they ran away are now great zealous soldiers for God. And only the Holy Spirit can bring that change about. It's the Spirit of God who does that. And then later on, we we read the Apostle Paul saying, Oh, death, where's your sting? (laughs) Ridiculing death and the grave. Even death and the grave. The greatest powers that you can't run away from. They they couldn't hold our God in there. So, it's the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I wonder, I mean... uh, we were in leadership training with Luke and we were, I think, studying the book of Acts and at one point um, we were talking about the title of the book and Luke said it should actually be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit because the apostles wouldn't have been able to do anything on themselves. It's the Spirit of God that comes and changes them. Um, Some people say it should be called the Gospel of Luke, Volume 2 because Luke is the uh, author of the book. But I'd go with the first. It's the acts of the Holy Spirit. And you know what? It's not just that it was all done and dusted. The acts of the Holy Spirit still carry on today. We are the temples of the Spirit. And the same things can be done through us, not so that we can go and say, I'm a great guy. Well, I can already say that, not you. But it's the presence of God. It's the Holy Spirit working in us. And it's through him that the same things can happen. So the book of Acts is there, but the same things, the scenarios can happen. It's not that it was just finished and done and dusted and that's gone. We are the temples of the spirit, Jubilee. A spirit-filled community is a community that receives the presence of God and goes out to do the work of God for the glory of God. We never read that uh, Peter comes and says, look, this is what I'm going to do, preaching the gospel, healing the sick. And then later on, he bought a private jet and ran away to an island. Well, they didn't have jet at the time, so he bought a good horse and carriage and went somewhere and bought a big house. Or another apostle becoming famous uh, because of the works that he's done. In fact, (laughs) life got a bit harder for them, because as they were declaring the work of God, the enemy didn't like it, so he sent his own army against them. But of course, we know as we were singing today, victory is ours, we are victorious, and the disciples knew it, so they went knowing that the battle has already been won, and they went declaring the goodness of God and performing signs and wonders, and then giving God the glory. So spirit-filled community is a community that is filled by the presence of God, performing signs and wonders, and giving glory to God. Signs and wonders don't have to be extraordinary stuff. Well, of course, they are extraordinary because they're from outside this world. But we saw a bit of it this morning. Did you hear Mona as she brought a tongue? (laughs) How else is that possible? To speak in a language that you've never learned. To praise God in a language that you've never learned. And of course, that's not the only sign of the Spirit. Uh, Some churches believe that's probably... Unless you speak in tongues, you've not been baptised in the Spirit. That you, uh, but we don't believe that here. There are quite a lot of uh, th- ways and things that expresses that someone is baptised in the Holy Spirit. So speaking in tongues is not the only one, but maybe the most common. So today, as we think about the Spirit-filled community, I want you to remember a few things. That Spirit-filled community has a love for God that will result in a love for one another. Spirit-filled community has a joy never seen or heard anywhere else before. The apostles got together, they ate together, they had a joy, and the people who came to Christ, they had a joy that they gave everything. You see, sometimes that can happen in the world, but it's momentary, it's enthusiasm, that's just there, oh, let's do this because it's... This trend of the world today, let's give everything that we have to it, and by tomorrow it's all forgotten about, whereas with the first church, with the early church, it all happened, and it still continues. It's not something that was just a matter of a moment to say, oh, it all sounds great, and it sounds brilliant and beautiful, let's just give some to it, and then, oh yeah, forget about it tomorrow. So the love and the joy that they had wasn't something of this world. And when you have a love for God, you will love people too because they're created by him and is his image. People are important to God. So if you love God, you will love people. The joy of God and then the signs and wonders. This is probably the area that quite a lot of churches don't agree on. Healing did happen at the early church. A couple of weeks ago, we prayed for healing for um, uh, quite a lot of people here. If you were healed, please do come and speak to us at the end because it would be great to hear testimonies about it. So we'll have an opportunity to do the same again today. Uh, I think Mike probably needs (laughs) a bit of prayer for healing. But if you do need prayer for healing, please do come forward later on. Um, I'm going to come to to an end with this because I realize that we're running out of time. But Dr. Luke, the writer of The Acts, Uh, we've got another one here but he's not the author of this book but again he was a doctor he's trying to tell us something he's trying to tell us as the audience of the book as the readers of the book he's trying to say something he's not just writing this for no reason or because he, he had quite a lot of time in his hand he's writing it to make a point and his point is that the church looks like something and the church affects the society in a way that nothing else and no other people or organisation can affect the society. Jubilee, think about it, if we're not here one week, if we're not here, if Jubilee doesn't exist, how is side going to be uh, impacted? Well, sometimes when the church is under, people will say, yeah, especially the neighbours, they're not there anymore, great! But the church, as Luke is trying to describe, exists, to bring a change in the society. The church exists so that it can change the society, not just steps toward being positive, not just great steps toward becoming different, but to bring a change that is of God. If we're not here next week, if we don't exist, if we stop meeting together here or as a church, what's going to happen to Teesside? Think about it. If everything is still carrying on as normal, then we're not doing what God has called us to do. A church should be a church where if it doesn't exist, the society is crippled. Are we up for being a spirit-filled community? Do you feel that you've got the presence of God day in, day out? If not, there's no shame in it. Let's pray for you. Let's pray for the presence of God to come. You don't have to be in a particular position like this to receive the presence of God. He can pour out His presence on you. And it's not based on your education or your nationality. Because God didn't go around saying, you've got a degree, here's your portion. Actually, I haven't even got A-levels, so this is your bit. Oh, you're from the Middle East, you're not getting any. God doesn't work that way. And if you think, well, I'm not sure if I'm a good person or if I'm worthy enough to really receive the presence of God, I've got a uh, good advice for you. Wait, you will become worthy one day. Um, You'll probably know that I'm being sarcastic because you're never going to become worthy. So you might as well start receiving the presence of God now. Quite a lot of time people are falsely humble and saying, oh, I don't think I'm really worthy enough. Yes, of course you're not. But God doesn't give you the Spirit based on your worth. God gives His Spirit because He wills for His children to receive His presence. So, should we all stand up together? Not sure if we can have the band because we're probably running out of time, but we'd still like to pray for you. We're coming to an end, but if you'd like to be prayed for, please do come forward now. If you'd like to be prayed for to receive the presence of God, if you'd like to be prayed for so that you can feel that you are part of this community, the Spirit-filled community, Please do come forward. If you'd like to be prayed for for healing, for signs and wonders, so that you can give God glory, please do come forward now. Ministry team, please be ready to pray for people as they come forward. But there's still time. What happened in Acts wasn't just that God decided that at the time He wanted to do that and then forget about it and then come up with another plan. God doesn't work on trial and error. God is not a scientist like we know. God is sovereign. He is the creator of heaven and earth. So if you'd like to come before Him, then do so and we'll pray for you. It's nothing out of us. It's not our strength or power. It's His. Also, if you don't know this God, if you don't know Jesus, the way that the Bible talks about Him, why don't you consider getting to know Him today, right now? Why don't you consider coming before Him and allowing Him to come in your life? That's the best decision you can ever make. If you'd like to do that, you can either come forward or stand where you are, but please do let us know if you do decide to give Him your life. For the rest of us, let's just pray for these guys who are in front. Ministry team, can I ask you to come and lay hands on them? Could you please come, ministry team, and pray for our brothers and sisters in the front? For the rest of us, let's just spend a few moments before the presence of God. Lift up your hands before the King of Kings and ask Him to fill you with His presence.